Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Before the Downbeat, a musical podcast. I am your lovely co-host, Mackenzie Horner, your fearless ginger, all-around loudest person in the room. And I'm once again joined by the Canadian B. Arthur, director extraordinaire, the person who will be sick of me by the time we get to the end of March, Autumn Smith. Oh, Mackenzie Horner, I can never get sick of you. Oh. Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. So we're here again today to talk about what I would say is the iconic family musical. The one that everybody either loves or loathes, depending on who you are. If you loathe this, I cannot be your friend. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Well, Autumn, in that case, why don't you tell us what are we doing this week? Well, we are doing Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow, so you gotta hang on to Waiting for this one. It feels like forever. <laughs> it is literally one of my favorite musicals. Um, sometimes I don't even know why. Uh, it is. It's just a great musical. Is so that why you chose it? Is so, so, um, or is there a particular reason why you chose this music? I chose it because I there's a timelessness to it. Mm. And it's about hope mm-hmm. and optimism. It's about children teaching adults mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that tomorrow can be better. Yeah. And it's smart. It's smart. It's sassy. Mm-hmm. And I have a very personal spot in my heart for this one. Okay. So then Autumn, since this is your show, why don't you give us a no. brief, Plot description of what the heck is this musical for the one person under a rock who has not heard of the musical Annie. We have not seen this musical in one of its iterations. I I pity you because it's very good. Uh, just go see it with children. Mm-hmm. It is a musical based on a popular comic strip called Little Orphan Annie. Mm-hmm. And it's about an orphan named Annie who is seeking out her parents and uh, gets caught up with this billionaire, Daddy Warbucks, who is like a stock businessman. He wants to adopt a, um, not adopt, but like have an orphan come visit him. Good publicity. It's optics. It's all about optics. And she wins him over, but then really wants to find her own parents and he helps her and there's scandal and it all ends happily. So, <laughs> and it's best known for, you know, it's massive musical contribution tomorrow, mm-hmm. which we will talk about. Yes. Also, it's a hard knock life. Little girls. Uh, little girls. NYC. NYC. 
Oh, NYC. Yes. So many great numbers oh, in this show. I'm so excited. Uh, it's set during the Great Depression uh, in 1933. And yeah. It, it says a lot about hope and how children pave the path forward, mm. which I think is a lesson that we need to come to all the time. And it's very timely that we're talking about this musical in the midst of our education crisis, because if we only stopped and listened to children, uh, we would know what to do. Preach. Word. Mm -hmm. That's what I got to say. All right. So then why don't we segue into our rundown of uh, the production team. Autumn, take it away. Who do we got? This oh. is one of our few episodes where we, it's a, almost an entirely new cast yeah. of production people. We've talked a lot about Hal's and Prince's and Lloyd Webber's and, and Sondheim's and, and McIntosh, uh, Rogers and Hammerstein's. Yeah. But this is kind of a whole new production team that we haven't really touched on. It so is. who do we got? It is. Um, so we have Charles Strauss, who was the composer, mm -hmm. um, graduate of Eastman Music School. Uh, like he studied under, studied under the greats like um, Arthur Berger and Aaron Copland. Okay. Aaron Copland, one of my favorite American composers of all time. Got it. Yeah. Um, his first big Broadway musical was... Bye Bye Birdie. Which we will talk about on this podcast because yes. that is one of my favorite musicals. I love Bye Bye Birdie. He also wrote um, uh, All American with Mel Brooks. Love Mel Brooks. Um, Once Upon um, An Actress. Oh, no, it, uh, that musical um, produced the standard Once Upon a Time, uh, which has been recorded by everyone. Okay. I don't know that, but when yeah, I don't know. Uh, Golden Boy, It's a Bird, It's Playing at Superman. One of the greatest um, flops in Broadway history. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then Applause. And then he went in um, to Annie, Annie Land. Which basically sealed his career. Yeah. But then after that, he, he wrote one of my favorite musicals. Which is? Which closed after four performances and 18 previews. Which was Rags, a show that we will um, that we briefly mentioned in chess with did, Judy Coon. With Judy Coon. So and now the show will have me have to get back to. You have to listen to this musical. Okay. I for the life of me do not know why it closed because it came out the same time as Les Mis, and, well, we're, and we already had one musical with people in rags. I know singing, but it was it was so good. Okay, well, it was, it we'll was definitely have to so get back good. to this. Um, he wrote a slew of musical reviews, um, and he did uh, music and lyrics for animated uh, series like Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile. Mm. Uh, he, his film scores include Bonnie and Clyde, um, The Night They Raided Minsky's All Dogs Go to Heaven, <laughs> and uh, he also wrote the theme song for Those Were the Days. Oh, one of my absolute favorite right? TV shows, All in the yeah. Family. Yeah. So, oh, so good. So good. He's written, um, he wrote Concerto America, which he composed in 2002 to commemorate 9-11. Okay. Um, it premiered at the Boston Pops. He wrote an opera, Nightingale, starring Sarah Brightman. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah. I mean, an all-round, you know. Amazing guy. Amazing, amazing artist. Mm-hmm. 
Um, on this, he collaborated with Martin Sharnan. Um, and Martin Sharnan, who was one of the Jets in the original production of West Side Story. How funny is that? Talk about six degrees of musical theater. Uh, he wrote music and lyrics for numerous off-Broadway and cabaret reviews, like um, uh, many of them for Julius Monk. And then he went on to do a nightclub after Dion Warwick, hmm. uh, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to go. Um, what else did he do? Like, he's just a lot of different things. He worked with Danny Kaye. Was there another big musical he did besides Annie, or is Charnett's kind of big show Annie, and that's yeah, kind I of think, it? I think Annie was his big one. Okay. Um, let me just, I'm just going through my notes. They're quite extensive this week. Uh, he, <laughs> he directed the National Lampoon Show, oh. which was uh, like, SNL performers. So yep. John Belushi, Gilda Radner. Chevy Chase. Uh, and then he wrote, he did um, Annie with, mm-hmm. uh, at the good speed. So okay. um, that was his, that was his big claim to fame. He did I Remember Mama as well. Don't know that. Was, oh, it's good. It's good. With Richard Rogers. Okay. Um, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful one. Um, and that, those are his big, those are his big ones. Okay. Um, and then, I'm just going through, uh, Meehan was an American playwright, Thomas Edward Meehan. Right. He wrote the book for the musicals, ready? Mm-hmm. Ready for this? Go. Annie. Okay. The Producers. Oh. And Hairspray. Three of the biggest musicals of our times. Um, he also wrote, so those were the books for those musicals. He also wrote the book for the musical Young Frankenstein. And Crybaby. Oh my goodness. And he wrote the books for Elf the Musical and Limelight, the story of Charlie Chaplin. He is like going. Um, How many Tonys? Three times he has won the Tony for Best Book of the Musical. I can see why. Yeah. Like, think about it. Hairspray producers. producers Like, those are huge shows. Yeah. Like, we need to get him to come, like, like, rewrite the books for a few of those other musicals, like Titanic. Yeah. You probably could do something with it. Mm-hmm. Probably. <laughs> Autumn's giving me the look of never bring up that musical I again. Got, he's getting the death stare. <laughs> um, so, musical director Peter Howard, choreographer uh, Peter Gennaro, uh rounds out that... Peter Gennaro, that's a C-done. That sounds like really familiar. I, don't know, I couldn't find much okay. on these... Uh, Other guys? On these friends. The two Peets. The two Peets. Um, but I believe that... Uh, Sharnan mm-hmm. also directed the original. Uh, we will find out when I get to my notes. I believe you are right, though. I uh, yes. Sharn- yes. Martin Sharnan also directed the, the. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. that it for the team? That's it. Well, uh, you know, I it would be very amiss for me not to mention Andrea McCardle. We will get to her. Yeah, Andrea McCardle, the original Annie. Annie. Um. Who's come back to do cameos in the other film adaptations, yes. including the one with Victor Garber and Kathy Bates. She's amazing. Amazing. She we'll, is. We'll, we'll get into Andrea McCarthy. Yes. Okay. okay. Give her up, Mac. All so right. So this whole experience started when Charnam first approached Meehan to write the book of, uh, of a musical all about Little Orphan Annie in 1972. Mm-hmm. Meehan knew nothing about the subject, so he went to research by rereading all the prints of the comic strip 
but was unable to find any satisfactory material for the musical. And so he decided to write his own story based off the characters. He was like, oh, nothing in the source material? All right, I'll take the characters and we'll stick them in my own story. So as the writers were all from New York, they saw the effect the Nixon era uh, slash Watergate scandal had on the city and on the nation as a whole. And they saw how that reflected the attitude of this musical that was set during the Depression. So that's why they moved it there. Because in the 70s, it was a grungy time in New York. Times Square was seedy. Broadway was dying. And um, and basically, they were like, oh, look at that. we got some parallels here in history. So that's why it's set in the Depression. When when or when the comics were not the comics were not set during the depression they were we'll set. probably do it again probably still relevant absolutely um, the inspiration for the story Charnum found was with the musical Oliver and uh, and the plot was inspired by Charles Dickens with the concept of orphans and the hunt for Annie's parents so when we talked about a pre- in a, one of our previous episodes we mentioned that Dickens was going to pop up this season and you wanted to know where. That's where Dickens comes up. He was the inspiration for the musical Annie. He his plot, it's about orphans and parents, came from Dickens. So there you go. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I forget what episode we talked about that, but I think, I think it could be in Chess or or um, Oklahoma, one of the two. We talked about Dickens, and so there you go. That is the answer to that question. Uh, the musical premiered to an enwrapped audience at the Godspeed Opera House in Connecticut. Uh, it was during the edit town trials that actress Audra, um, um, Andrea McArdle, mm-hmm. uh, went from playing Pepper, one of the orphans, to being Annie after the producers felt the current Annie at the time was too nice to be the rough and tumble Let's Annie. Let's stop for a second. Okay. Pepper is not just one of the orphans. Pepper is the orphan. <laughs> I don't know. I I love Molly. Oh, no, she's too young. She doesn't get it. But that's the cute part. It's not cute being an orphan, Max. <laughs> it's hard work. It's a hard knock life. Why? Why anybody would want to be an orphan? I'll never know. I'll never know. As the great Miss Hannigan says. That's right. Um. So what happened there was when they needed to swap the actresses. Uh, this actress instead became the understudy for McCardle. Uh, who took on the title role. Uh, during Edgetown tryouts, the producers turned to Charnin and me and, and the rest of the team and said, listen, audiences are loving it, but don't stop working on it. So just like Rogers and Hammerstein with Oklahoma, where they just yeah. refined and fixed and edited, they did the same thing with Annie. So even yeah. though it was a hit out of town, they just kept fixing and fixing and fixing because why not? Uh, the musical opened in April uh, on the 21st in, in 1997, or sorry, 1977, uh, at the Alvin Theater, now the Neil Simon Theater, in the production start, um, Andrea McArdle as Annie, Reed Shelton as Daddy Warbucks, Dorothy Loudon as Miss Hannigan, mm-hmm, and uh, Sandy uh, Frasian as Grace Farrell. About uh, uh, Dorothy Loudon, she was notorious for not liking children in real life. And she actually told a little McArdle in rehearsal saying, if you steal my joke, I'll beat you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a reason That's why great. they had such great chemistry. And she was because Dorothy Lotto was just playing off her real distaste for having to work with children That's, and animals. I, I don't work with kids or dogs. Basically. 
Um, the show itself was nominated for 11 Tony Awards and won seven, including seven. Best Musical, Best Book, Best Score, and Best Actress for Ricky Loudon, who beat Andrew McArdle, who was also nominated for Best Lead Actress. Which is... Kind of astounding. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's almost like a twist of the knife towards Ricardo, where like Dorothy Lauderton just is like, "Ha ha! I beat you with the Tony now." Uh, <laughs> this is why I don't work with children. Exactly. Um, uh, interesting. Had Andrea McCardle won it, oh, can you imagine? Would she have been younger than Daisy Egan when Daisy Egan won she the Secret Garden? Might have. She uh, might have. That's a math question that I do not know the answer to. Unseating. Unseating. Of Daisy Egan. Fascinating. Um, the show would eventually close on January 2nd, 1983, after a total of 2,377 performances. So a definite hit that has continued to make yeah. the Schuberts, uh, as well as the creators, quite a bit of money. Oh, yeah. Uh, this show is very memorable for many notable replacements. Mm-hmm. Who have come into this show, uh, and that includes Sarah Jessica Parker of hey, SJP. Uh, yes, of Sex and the City fame, who came on as Annie, uh, Allison Will uh, or sorry, Allison Smith of West Wing fame came on to play Annie, and Sarah Highland of Modern Family got her equity card after playing Annie on no on, on stage. And here's another really fun uh, twist for you: one of the most notable replacements for Miss Hannigan was June Havoc's sister, Gypsy Rose Lee. No. Yes. You're joking. She was one of the first replacements for Miss Hannigan after Dorothy, Dorothy Loudon left the show. You're joking. Mm-mm. That just made this so much better. Right? And then you had a really interesting movie version of it. Well, we're getting to that now. Okay. So uh, it's gone on to have to be one of the most to be one of the most produced productions. Uh, in 2012, it was estimated that Annie is produced 700 to 90 to 900 times per year throughout the United States. So quite popular. The show was revived. The show was revived in 19, 1997 and 2012. It has three different film versions, which include the 1982 film starring the. Fantastic Carol Burnett, uh, Tim Curry, and uh, Bernadette Peters. Uh, um, how dreamy is that? Yeah. And um, uh, wait a second. What? Oh, his name is going to. Oh, Daddy Warbucks. Yes, Albert Finney. Yes, and he just passed away. Oh, oh, that's so sad. And ranking. Yeah, as Grace Farrell. Yeah, and who was Annie in the film oh. version? Was Aileen Quinn. Yes. And one no, here's my fun fact. Okay, go. When I was nine, mm-hmm. I um like the film had just come out. I hadn't seen the film. Right. Or I had just seen the film. And I went to a dance competition in Los Angeles. And who was in my tap master class standing next to me but Aileen Quinn? I know. Six degrees of uh, of Kevin Bacon. She would have just finished shooting it because I was nine. Right. So nine at the time. Okay. And yeah. So it hadn't come out yet. So she but still wasn't big. I remember big. meeting her and saying, oh, what do you do? And she said, oh, I, I was just in the movie Annie. And I'm just like, no way. How are you all um, there in Los Angeles? Like, I still don't um, get how you got all the way up there. I, well, I... 
was a prolific um, little dancer. I danced my way through many, many states and provinces. Interesting. And yeah, there was a dance competition. And my, both my brother and I were dancers at that time. So we went and we did this dance thing and we won. It was great. And do you know who gave us our prize? Who? Because it comes back to hairspray. Who? John Travolta. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. You're kind of, you guys are kind of like uh, June, uh, 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 June and Louise from Gypsy. We just were June and Louise. Ro- just road showing it. I, but and I, I don't know who was the back of the cow between the I, two of you. I was probably the back of the cow. <laughs> Boys always get more attention mm. in the dance world. Um, yeah. Okay. So th- that's my excitement. But that film version. Of 1982 is iconic. Ugh. My favorite version of the, of the films is the 1999 version directed by Rob Marshall. Starring Kathy Bates as Miss Hannigan, Victor Garber, Canadian legend, as Daddy Warbucks, Audra uh, McDonald as Grace Farrell, Alan Cumming uh, as Rooster, and the fantastic Christian Chenoweth as um, Lily St. Regis, and a whole bunch of Disney stars, like Sarah Hyland when she was like six years old, playing Molly. Oh, really? Yeah. It was this great TV uh, movie they did where it was like the wonderful world of Disney presents musicals. So they did that. They did Music Man with Matthew Broderick and Christian Chenoweth. It Which was, was filmed in Millbrook. Yes. So, but this is this was the far superior uh, film they did. And it was what got Rob Marshall the chance to direct Chicago. Uh, really? Because it was the film they kind of went, oh, he can do musicals on film. Oh. Uh, but this is a fantastic version that sticks very close to the stage show. And the cast is just fantastic. Like, it is A-plus casting for this little Disney TV film version of Annie. So, fantastic. And then, of course, you... have to watch it. I've sent the link to you twice. (laughs) Matt, people, friends, we're going to talk about this in an upcoming episode, about what we have to do as artists, but I just haven't had time. (laughs) I just have not had time. Fair enough. I have watched the newest version of this. Okay, that's the last version we're getting to, which is the notoriously awful Jamie Foxx and Cameron Diaz techno version, which I hated. I don't don't know if it's awful. It's awful. They destroyed little girls. They took away Easy Street and made it into this. uh, I know. They took away Rooster and Lily. Like, they just made it awful. I don't. It's awful. I I hate it. I hate it. It could have been so good. And it's just. Ugh. I hate it's it. It's hate for a modern age. It's so no. Vain. They just they butchered it. Will Smith produced this thing, and it was well. First of all, it started out as a nepotism project for his daughter after she did whip it. That hair, oh, whip my hair back and forth, whip my hair back and forth. That's what that's what he started it as. He mm-hmm. wanted a star vehicle for his daughter. And his daughter was like, "No, I'm not doing it." So they're like, "Okay, let's do something else." Um, and. Oh, it's just awful. The adaptation is awful. Like, like the whole. I think. I, 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 I think I'm gonna like it here. Which in on which is supposed to be this big, great production number, but yet it's done with a smart house. It's like there's no one here to welcome you. It's just you and Grace Farrell. Yeah, that's true. It's and oh and 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 like you say, Russell Crowe is bad in Les Mis. Cameron Diaz destroys the wonderful character Miss Hannigan with that stupid techno 
version of Little Girls. Little girls, little girls, night and day I eat, sleep and breathe them. Get out of here! I should be anywhere but here. Had a plane on the stage and on TV. But I find myself here at the snot house. Little shoes, little socks. Please kill me. I'm serious. Please kill me. I'm not singing. I'm asking. That's just... I hate it. Autumn, okay. I hate it. I hate My it. My kids love that. Well, good for them. <laughs> you need to show them the 1999 version because that one will be They the also more. love, they also love the other version, the Elaine Quinn. Okay, good. At least they like that version with Carol Burnett. But it's like, oh, I hate that. Like that, like, it's those types of movies that have no redeeming qualities and uh, kill movie musicals dead, which is why we don't get them think, more often. I don't know. There was something about it. It was a financial flop, which makes studios go, these films don't make money. I know. Which is why then you don't get films like Wicked or Parade or um, Sunday at Sunset Boulevard because studios go, we're not going to invest in this. And it's because some stupid producer gets in there and screws it up with a great product like, like bring Annie to the modern age, but don't make it techno. Just stick with the classic music. Don't produce anything anymore. This is the lesson. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Max ranted uh, about his hatred for 19, 2014 uh, Annie. And uh, I was hopeful that first trailer with. Your I, daughter was fine. She I wasn't in it. Daughter, was that? No, she wasn't in the movie. I thought she was. No, 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 no. no, no. She told her dad no. It was um, Oscar nominee Quanveline uh, <laughs> Wallace who did it in you her, 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 her version of Tomorrow. Yeah, she was great, but the rest of the movie was a stinker if there ever was one. So don't do star vehicles for your children. No. Friends, it doesn't work. No. Ever. No. It's like directing your own writing. Yeah, no, don't do it. Don't do it, people. Please refrain. Don't do it. I have no perspective Mm -hmm. anymore. Now, I also have one more bit of production history for you. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the few musicals that spawned a sequel. Oh. titled Annie 2 Miss Anakin's Revenge and it opened at the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts in Washington D.C. in December 1989 to universally disastrous reviews extensive reworking of the script and score proved futile and the project was ended before reaching Broadway however in 1993 a second attempt with a different plot and score titled Annie Warbucks was developed in a workshop at the Godspeed Opera House under the direction of Michael P. Price, and which is where the original Annie uh, did its world premiere in 1976, and it and it, and it subsequently opened off Broadway's uh, at the Off Broadway Variety Arts Theater and ran for 200 performances. So, bit of a better ending to that. Um, but raise your hand, uh, friends, if you've ever heard of these musicals. <laughs> I think Autumn, that should be your next musical. Direct Annie to Miss Hannigan's Revenge. No, 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 I decline. I, like, I decline. Unfortunately, mu- musical sequels. Up there with me directing Titanic. Mm. So we know how I feel about that. <laughs> unfortunately, no. yeah, musical sequels just don't do well. Like you had Bring Back Birdie, which was a sequel to Bye Bye Birdie. No, these things did not happen. They did. There was a, there was a sequel to Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, Lord. that was called Bring Back Birdie, and it Stop. failed miserably. So musical sequels don't work, people. Musicals work in their time and place. It's or like Love Never Dies with Phantom. 
another flop sequel. That whole Love Never Does was stolen music from Beautiful Game. I know. Which was a part, it was a good musical. Yeah, don't do it. Don't, don't do musical sequels, people. Just like, let them live on their own. hardly any film sequels work. So they only work if they're brand new. Or... Like, or if they're intended to be a sequel in the first place, like a Lord of the Rings or a Harry Potter yeah. that is set up that These way. These are all books, like all new uh, things happening. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. not just rehashing. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't do it. Yep, Please don't, don't do, do it. it. Very bad. Mm-hmm. Very bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Autumn, uh, where does your first experience with this musical oh. begin? Where does it date back to? Clearly, you met the film Annie. Yes, I watched the film Annie when, like, when it first came. Yeah, because you know Aileen Quinn and I were besties by that. Apparently, we're going to have coffee really, after this, right? Really, we're going to have coffee. I'm blind, Dolly. To have coffee with Aileen. Uh, no, but that was fun. It was like it was, as a kid. It's like oh my god, I'm meeting the Annie. It was so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, like it was just part of my childhood and then um I got to be in it Oshawa Little Theater did mm-hmm. it when I was 12 yeah was 12 yeah I was 12 were you pepper I could see you as a pepper I was pepper I could see you as a pepper. I was pepper I'm uh uh waiting to reprise that role um Peter Hinton um in your encore performance um, if you are listening we are going to do this I want to be pepper in your version <laughs> I'm expecting great things um i'm in it i'm 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 on board i'm ready to reprise my role um so yeah and it was one of the best experiences i've had on stage i mean i just remember standing backstage in the excitement mm. uh the excitement actually when the show like when the the opening number hit I was lying in a bed on stage mm-hmm. in the orphanage and all that lone I'll trumpet never sounds. Forget that lone trumpet and it just it, it's like the bagpipes for me. It just sinks in. There's mm. something very palpable and pining about it that I it's extraordinary. It's the, the one of I'm going to say the, the best overture beginning in the whole camp. Mm. The whole musical theater. I don't know. Are there, are there, I got some other overtures that I like a little bit more, but that one is no. still Brody and I. Were, it's simple. It the reason why it works is it's simple and it's it that pining is Annie. That that trumpet is her voice right off the top. We get that sense of um want. We mm. get the intent in the overture, which is it, they just it's so good. It's so good. I don't know. That gypsy overture is pretty good. No, it's not as good. (laughs) I don't agree. It's good, but it's not. It's that single trumpet. Mm. Okay, so you performed it. it. I performed it. I love it. I've adjudicated it. I've watched many versions of it. I've introduced (laughs) it to my children in all of its many forms. Um... It's far superior to other children musicals like Matilda. <laughs> um, I don't mind Matilda. Oliver, no, no. But Oliver is very good. Oliver is very good, but there's something uh, there's something mm, too nice about it still. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like Annie is gritty. 
Depending on how you do it, yes. It should be gritty. All of us should be gritty. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a couple of times ago we were talking about the um, Stratford version that yes. Donna Fewer did of Oliver. And that you said was too nice. Too nice. You were in Victorian London. In this, you were in 1930s Mesky of, of depression. Depression. And it's dirty. It shouldn't be clean. These kids are lonely. They're mm-hmm. hurting. Yep. And life does life kind of sucks you got Preach. stray dogs you know and they still find their way through with hope and i think there's there's something very effective mm. about that fair enough so that's how <laughs> i came to this musical fair okay. enough well for me uh i was introduced to this musical through the vhs copy of the 1999 version at my friend's house is this the kathy Disney? bates yeah. yeah kathy bates version and once again, fantastic cast. The yeah. music is great. One of my favorite orchestrations oh, of, so of, of, of this musical. Like they lean into the brass and the timpani for it, and it's fantabulous. And I have to say, I love I love Carol Burnett, but Kathy Bates is by far my favorite Miss Hannigan because she plays mm. the comedy, but yet she also plays the terrifying part of Miss Hannigan that makes her a real threat um in this version versus carol burnett where she doesn't feel as much of a threat to annie as like carol burnett feels like she still has some nice quality under under that heart of coal kathy Bates just feels like she's been pushed to the end of a rope with these kids and has now had a psychological break and is yeah. willing to go out and kill annie to get the money like she is terrifying like that first scene she's in where annie's trying to sneak out like her stakes are higher her stakes are higher, and then they're like, because like, once again, the, in, Kathy Bates is coming around playing a uh, misery, which is what won her the Oscar playing like that psycho Annie Wilkes, um, <laughs> who keeps people locked in her basement. Uh, but it's that thing yeah. of like that first scene where she come, where Annie's trying to escape, and Miss Hankin stops her at the door, and just the flashlight hits Miss Hannigan's face, and she just says "boo," and it's there's just. If there's just darkness See, in her, I, and I it's don't like think Miss Hannigan is evil. Neither do I, which is why I think also Kathy Bates plays that two sidedness where she can play the funny. I don't think she's person funny. who's. I think she's someone who's at the end of her rope, I, which is what I, I, I. Yeah, she's at the end of her rope, but she's she's lonely. And we'll she get into that with my one of my favorite songs. Like this is about class. It like, is. Again, it like, is. Talking about someone who has to do a job that they don't really want to be doing because they have no other option recourse. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, and like little girls oh. is that song. We're gonna get, we're gonna get into that song. So it's a it's an I want song. It is of massive proportion. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's really sad. It is, and we will get into that because that is one of my top three songs. So, <laughs> so save those notes, but. Uh, yeah, Miss Han- Kathy Bates, my favorite Miss Hannigan, because there's just more stakes with her, and she's someone who plays the complexity of that character really well. And because yeah. and, and so, it's Disney, they didn't make Miss Hannigan a drunk like they did with Carol Burnett, where Carol Burnett is drinking in a bathtub of vodka. Um, Which is hilarious. It is, but at the same time, it, 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 it completely unrealistic. It, it's completely unrealistic, but it also just dampens the character because, oh, she's drunk. In this one, because it's Disney, they don't want Kathy Bates drinking. They made her 
multi-layered. It's great. I'm going to have to watch this version. I know. It's so good. It's on Disney+. We're going to do a repeat of this after I watch it. We can do a live commentary of us watching We're this gonna together. We're going to do a Patreon. Live commentary. Autumn Smith just expounding her opinions on this. Yes. Okay. And then uh, I'm gonna own the CD and digital copies of this sh- version of the show. And yeah. So that's how I came to it. I've Have I ever directed... I did summer camp. No, I didn't direct it. I just sounded music instead when I had my choice. Nice. But my sister Madison played Miss Annie again in her dance summer camp's production of uh, Annie. And I wanted to, to carry around an empty wine bottle, but apparently Maddie didn't think Miss Annie should be a drunk. So Well, good choices. Good choices, Maddie. <laughs> Love it. Um, but yes. We've sequestered Maddie in her room while That's we're true. doing this podcast. God bless my sister. She's very she's, she's very accommodating. Awesome. Um okay. I'm she hasn't pulled in this panicket by this point. I know. <laughs> okay, top three songs, Autumn. Let's do this. What is your number one? Is it maybe? All of them. See, that doesn't count. You gotta choose um, three. Come on. My top song is maybe. Not on my list. Go. Give me your okay, impression. Uh, I like I like maybe, but it's but there's I three think, better songs that I go to in a heartbeat compared to this one. Well, I, I look it. I it was the opening of the show. Mm-hmm. And for me it has immense sentimental value. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's it just takes me back. As soon as I hear mm-hmm. that da 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 I'm like Oh my god, I just I'm transported back. Maybe far away. And I didn't even sing the song. Like this was not my song. This is very much Annie's song, but You were a pepper. I was pepper. Um hey, if Andrea McArdle can step up to Annie. I don't think I'd want to be Annie. I like pepper. I'm pepper's with I like pepper. Mm. Anyway. Um maybe just it it's it's a searching song. Like it, it, she's it, trying to find yep. answers and she's, she's a kid and she's putting these parents that have left her on a pedestal, basically on a pedestal. And I, I just find I, it's, it's such an interesting way to start a mm-hmm. show. Well, it's uh, the show's called Annie and the first song of the show is Annie, Annie. Yeah. which is, which is perfect. And it, once again, it set it's, it sets up. Her and her and, and her her journey. It's her I want. Yeah. Song, right. It's it, it, and the other thing is, like, I just imagine sitting there as an audience member. And you got this little girl singing to you. And you have this little and this is had never really been done before. Well, you gotta think Oklahoma did Oh What a Beautiful Morning. And But not by a child. No. Like, like even in Oliver, Oliver, like who will buy and things like that. Where is love? Where yeah. is love comes a little bit later. Yeah, on the first song of Oliver is "Food Glorious Food." Is "Food Glorious Food." So this is like, and it's a young girl singing it, mm-hmm. and that her belt. Yes. Can you imagine being mm-hmm. one of the first people to witness that? Yes. I like 
it it chills me to think of sitting in that audience not knowing what to expect hearing andrea mccardle for the first time like what an absolute gift Mm -hmm. that must have to see that potential Mm -hmm. and the possibility of where we could go with musicals yeah with children Mm -hmm. and that they're not silenced in the genre is so huge. And then you get Hard Knock Life. We'll get to that song. Children. We'll get to that song. Ugh, it's great. <laughs> it's all great. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Maybe your number one. Well, yeah. I will tell you my number one is Little Girls. Little cheeks, little teeth, everything around me is little. If I ring little necks, surely I would get an acquittal. Some women are dripping with diamonds. Some women are dripping with pearls. Lucky me, lucky me, look at what I'm dripping with. I I was mouthing it as Max said. Yeah. This is such yeah. a great, as you pointed out, this is a, a really neat song because it's a villain song, but it also is, but it also is a genuine I want song mm-hmm. because it's a mix of two. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a great layered song where the actress, depending on how she wants to be as Miss Hannigan, can either be sinister, where she's talking about wringing little girls necks and getting rid of them, or it can be played comedically. Like every parent has felt at some point. Oh, in absolutely! Their life. Every, every parent, every camp counselor, every there every were teacher, every teacher. Like there are every moments. person on the street watching. Yes, absolutely. And 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 that's the thing about Miss Hannigan's song is it's so understandable. Where you just go yes. like, oh my goodness, you're stuck in a job you don't <laughs> like. And it's a job, unfortunately, that also has you dealing with kids 24-7. It's not like she gets to go home at the end of the night. No, no. They live together yeah. 24-7. Like, this is her only means of communication with and the world. And it's her only means of making money at this point. Yes. I mean, women were um, restricted from doing other work. Well, also was time. the depression. So there was no job. So uh, there's the great line. The of, yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's a great line Annie has where it's like, Miss Hannigan, why do you hate kids? Or no, how she goes? She goes. She goes. Oh, uh, Miss Hagen, why do you hate your job? And Miss Hagen goes, I love my job. I hate, I hate kids. And it's like that's exactly who Miss Hagen is. She's someone who is taking the lemons and making the best sour lemonade she can yeah. with this. And this song, it just has so many great hysterical lyrics. Like some women are dripping with diamonds. Some women are dripping with pearls. Lucky me, lucky me. Look at what I'm dripping with, little girls. Like that's so like talk about a lower class person's mm-hmm. perspective. Oh my god, I buy my lottery ticket if I only win the lottery. Yep. And get She's out of this life. So relatable. And that's the other thing I like about this musical is it's relatable. Yeah. And that's why I'm almost loath to call Hannigan's song a villain a song. A villain song. I don't think any song should be a villain song. I think they're complicated character songs. <laughs> I think that's a better way to look at them. Fair enough. No, like we're not doing, um, you know. All right, maybe Charles the second Manson. song of 
Okay, maybe the second song of my top songs would be more than Dylan's song, so we will get to that one. But uh, I think, I think I know what you're yeah, doing. but uh, yeah, little but little girls. It's one of the ones where it's so good. Like whether you, like in, in, as I said, it's a lyric performance where it can be taken in so many ways as the actress. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those ways you can go. You, you can, it's it's a great character piece. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love little. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'll rephrase it. I love the song "Little Girls." It's great. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. And if it's done properly, it's even better. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. What's your number two? Oh, oh, man. This is really hard. I have so many. I love this whole musical, guys. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to say Tomorrow Act 2, The Cabinet Reapers. Everybody, Republicans too, Oliver. Sing. That is on my most skipped and Why? cut song list. Why? It is the. Let me scroll down. Lesson. Yeah, she no. She's the teaching. She's no. the person coming in and saying, You need to be the hope of a nation. It's, it's like in The Crown when Harold Wilson mm-hmm. says to the Queen, We don't want you to be normal. We want you to be queenly. The Queen. Yeah. Right? And Annie comes in and says, you need to be the hope. Yeah, but a child is the, a but child it's done in such teacher. a way that it's it's so cheesy and over the top. And by the time we get into no. this part of the show, we've heard awesome. we've heard this tomorrow song song. I think this is like his third freaking reprise. It's like he just keeps going. And, and if also the, the cabinet members Not reprise are, two, reprise one. All right. Uh, and then also the cabinet members are 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 seen way over the top, off key, and way all over the place. Louder, Harold. And it's just, it's so schmaltzy. That's a directorial choice. But it's so schmaltzy. But if they use it as a searching song, like... But you can do it in such a better way. Like, just have it sung, like, sing it sincerely and don't make it comedy. Just have Annie come and stand with the president and sing it to him. But it's just done in such a way where I just go, it's so cheesy. And it's, it's cringe cheesy. It's not cute cheesy anymore. It's now just become over-the-top unrealistic cheese and i don't like it at I, 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 there's a reason why it was cut yeah. from the other film versions besides the 82 one because it, it it's so it's just it's just it's just cringe cheese and that but I, it doesn't have to be no but in I, my mind it's not cringe cheesy i know in my mind I know. it is 
a child's teaching a lesson to the pre- the highest person in the office. Person. Can you imagine Donald Trump having this sung to him? No. <laughs> I don't know. This song, it, it, it was the first one on my list of um, the other list. I, it was right man. there. I knew right away where I was like, yeah, that song is going on there. Man. I'm it's sorry, Autumn. I, I, I love you, but it's, when, when you go full cringe cheese, I it just can't do it. Though. I just have to listen to it for its for its. I value. give I give what they're trying to do, and it's a beautiful thing they're trying to do. It's just <laughs> it is it's either being directed in a really bad way yes. in, in in the film version, and then also in the 2014 or sorry 2012 revival recording they did of it. It's just so over the top, too well, too far. It's, it's like too far. Who will buy? Who will buy is so ott. Yeah, but there's something hauntingly beautiful about that. Well, consider yourself. It's hokey and nutty as well yeah but that's no, fun no i, I like I, I like i like consider yourself because it's artful dodger and he's and it's and it's just everybody just having fun in the market this one it's supposed no to be one has fun in a market when they have to steal for their piece of bread mm. it's very dark <laughs> no one gets it <laughs> this, this should be dark too this well if they direct it properly well if you direct it properly then maybe it will cut I'll this, direct it. this show will, this song will come off my list Good. All right. You want my number two? Yes. Can you guess what it is? Easy Street. Yes. <laughs> Easy Street. Easy Street. Where the rich folks play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Move them feet. Easy. this song uh, it's another and this is a true villain song it's not though rooster it, is a villain of the story if if hannigan not, isn't the villain rooster totally is hey he's willing to murder a damn child for money like that's pretty damn dark they're desperate yeah you could be desperate but you don't but like kill stealing money and well it's even worse is you're impersonating this kid's parents who she's dying to know and miss hannigan exploits that and rooster is willing right. to polish Annie off for the money it's it's like it's dark like you're right it's dark it's it's dark it's, and it's, it's evil it's e- and this song is just like the epitome of sleazy 1970s watergate big business new york where it's just these few people in the world who are just slicking like greasing their wheels to make it through to easy street because like Daddy Warbucks for all his money, like he goes, see, I, I worked for I it. See it. I, I worked don't... for it. Rooster doesn't want to work for the money. He just wants the money. Because he's poor. Yeah, he also, he also just came out of jail for doing a stint for something. I forget when he bribes the police to get out. I like he's know, he's not that. a good person. Rooster's not a good person. Anakin, I will concede that she has some redeeming qualities, but Rooster, he like he's the bad egg of the family that corrupts Miss Anakin. But this. I, I would like to say if they were born into a different situation, maybe Rooster wouldn't be the way he is. Could be. Very well could be. I think he, I think in a time of desperation, mm-hmm. he works in a desperate way. It's true. And I mean, and I, and, I, and I do have in my notes, Rooster is an awful character, yet you understand where he's coming from in his philosophy of 
getting to the top. Because you're right. That's like what we all want. It's, it's true. We all want to be on easy street. All of all of the are... wars, all of everything yes. are based on this idea of getting becoming to something other than what we are not. Yeah. Our whole industry mm-hmm. is based on becoming something that we are not. That's true. That's true. So they're trying to out like they're trying to outgrow out shenanigan their their status um, their, their class. class i get it i yeah i get it and it's the reason why and it's the reason why it's my number two it's such a great okay. song and the three-part harmony between brewster lily and hannigan is fantastic and it's jazzy like it, oh, I love it. like oh and you should you definitely need to watch time. kathy bates dance with her mink stole during this song because it is a yeah. hoot she shimmies the hell out of that number i can believe it like it's so good and it's so wonderfully conflictedly gray and it's 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 a gray song where, where you go exactly. where, where, where you go i get where you come from Rooster, but at the same time like 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 morally i can't condone no. what you're doing but i get it I get it. No, there's 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 reasons for all of our behavior, it's whether true. or not it goes with our moral code <laughs> or not. Is another uh, question. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's not like a Donald Trump, right? Mm. Or or a Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Like these people are money to making very bad decisions. These yeah. are people working out of desperation. True. And killing a child is never the answer. I mm-hmm. don't agree with that, but. You know, people when you were desperate and the depression was like, oh, it was, it was it was debilitating. Um, and if they had the resources, they would use the resources they had. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, okay. So Easy Street's my number two. Autumn, what is your number three? Oh God! Oh, it's hard. I'm torn. Between? I'm torn between I don't need anything but you mm-hmm. and NYC and. NYC because of the star to be. NYC just got here this morning. Three bucks, two bags, one me. NYC, I give you fair warning. Up there in lights, I'll be. And that's who uh, um, and, and, and that's who uh, Macardo plays in the 1999 right. version with Kathy Bates. Three bucks, two bags, one, one me. I love NYC. Yeah, that song. Like as much as I like um, the other one that you mentioned, um, what was that one? Um, uh, I don't need anything but you. I'm richer than Midas, but nothing on earth could ever divide us. As much as I love it, 
It's a great father-daughter duet. I love NYC more because it captures the city. And, and once again, and once again, it, for a time in New York when it was such a dark, dismal, seedy place where you had porn room, like shops, oh, all through all through dirty. Times Square, it was dirty. But yet you have this song that's bringing life and light back to this derelict city that everybody's kind of written off as this crummy place to be. But yet the song is like bringing that life back, where it's like, no, no, like NYC. Look at it, it, it creates that illusion that we've now bought into our whole lives now that NYC's this place. But New York, New York didn't really start shifting until the the Disneyfication of it. Which came starting in the eighties when no, or seventies really when no, they started picking up Times Square. Not with, even. Not no, I'm gonna say the nineties, because when I was there it was not still it, not, not nice. Great. It was great in a different way. Okay. It uh, for me it had more character. Any place that's been gentrified I find a little boring. Mm, vanilla? It's van- exactly. <laughs> it is so vanilla, and yeah, it's it's. I I find it. It's like gentrification is a, a for me. This might sound wrong, but I I but I mean it. It's the recolonization of space. Mm. Like it's taking anyone who is deemed not good enough to be in a particular space and putting money on it. Mm. So those people have to go elsewhere. Mm. It's like Regent Park right now. And you're like, where are these displaced people going to go? And how are we going to provide for them? And why are we doing that to their space? Um, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't don't like... But the song NYC is great. The song is great. But yeah, I, uh, I... New York was an amazing city. Mm-hmm. It's very clean now. They worked really hard on that to make yeah. it that way. Yeah. And clean is fine, but it's not interesting. It's touristy. It's touristy. But I was a tourist in the 80s and I loved it. Mm, there you go. But yeah, great. NYC. Great. NYC is a great song. Yeah. Love it. And I, I, do, I do like I Don't Need Anything But You because it's surprising. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the revelation. Together of, at last. Yeah. Together forever. That's the one. We're tying um, a knot. That no one can sever. I don't need sunshine now. Turn my skies to blue. Ooh, 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 ooh. I don't so need good. anything but you. You've wrapped okay. me around. Oh, we're going to have the whole song. I know. It's so there good. Go. It's, it is good. It's such a great piece. It's it, sweet. It's, and, it, and it's surprising. And, and, it's, it's, and like, it's a father daughter duet which is another again a really rare thing like mother-son duets and musicals yeah i also like new deal for christmas and all through the land folks are bawling and fill the despair because cupboards are bare but santa's got brand new assistance there's nothing to fear there bringing a new for Christmas this year. Yeah, that's a cute one. That is a cute I one. Like, I like all of them. Herbert, like, I like... Herbert Hoover was, Hoover was a fun one.
Thank you, Herbert Zimmer. It's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Right. It's great. Do you want to know what my third choice is? Yeah. Hard Knock Life. It's the Hard Knock Life. I love this song. I, I will it's such note a... that none of my songs were any of the ones that I sang when I played Pepper. That's okay. So funny. That's okay. All right. Once again, this is a really neat song because it is. It's the. It's a, it's the second song in the show, but yet technically you could think it, 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 it. If you're doing classical theater, this would be the classical opening of the show. Sure. But you've added maybe in front of it, which is neat. But this is like. Such a great song. Like it sets up the world of the orphans, the world of this musical, where like the minute you see kids having to wake up at the crack of dawn to scrub the floors, that tells you right away what type of derelict, depressing world we're living in. I mean, it's a smack in the face. It is. Yeah, we're living a hard knock life, but it that's how kids' vernacular goes. Like they're it, they're yeah. not prone to subtlety. No, and at it's all. And, and, and it's great because how oh, oh, I'm gonna put this. Um it's 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 twisted lyrics where like how do I um, what am I trying to say? Where it's like it's dark but yet there's a happy tune to it, you know? <laughs> where 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 like hard knock life, it's got the dun 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 It's got that happy upbeat yeah. bit of music, like it Love does. the Ladies from Les Mis, where it's that. It plays It's playing the opposites, it's where, where you've got the great timpani sounds to it. Yeah. And it's upbeat in the music, but yet at the same time, we get to what they're saying, where it's um, like like cotton, like cotton blankets instead of wool, empty belly instead of full. Yeah. It's right. But yet at the same time, there's another great. It forces you to listen. Yes. And, and and you also can see why Miss Hannigan is the way she is in this song. Like, uh, where, where they talk about yank the whiskers from her chin, jab her with her safety pin, make her drink a Mickey Finn. I love you, Miss Hannigan, says sarcastically. Like, you can imagine this poor woman is stuck in this house with these little, like, little tykes, and they're driving her up the wall. And it's like, no wonder she wants to, like, polish you guys off and little girls. If you're, like... <laughs> Doing this to her, where you're yank, where you're trying to yank her whiskers and stab her with her pins, and playing these awful prep jokes on her. Like uh, I, I, in the one version, they say there's a mouse and they stamp on her toe, so she's right. limping. It's like it's like no wonder this poor woman is like ready to get rid call of it call, it call it in. And yet at the same time, it's like who? What came first? Was Miss Hannigan cruel to you? Rotten orphan. Yeah, yeah. like it, there's a great symbiotic relationship there. Where like. They feed her cruelty and she feeds it right back to them. I know, but we always side with it with Annie. With the children. It's true. Even though adults should know better. They should, but at the same time, these kids are not the nicest, and it's no wonder Miss Hennigan is the way she is. Well, there's a the reason why they're not the nicest. I know, I know, but there, there's a weird mix. It's almost like Bernardo in the Jets, where it's like, who started this turf? War. It doesn't matter who started it. I there's know. there's a rationale. I know, and apparently right. the adult should be the adult in the room. But sometimes yes. when you're stuck with kids twenty four seven, you may lose that perspective because your closest adult relation is Mr. Bundles, the laundry, laundry man, man, who was played by Ernie Sabella in the in the nineteen ninety nine version, and it is so cute. I Him know. flirting with Kathy Bates 
is I precious. Mr. Bundles. Mr. Bundles! <laughs> Comes on for one scene, steals the show. Thing, steals the show. Yeah. Okay. So now our top three songs that this musical she either is either skipped or we would get rid of. Autumn's giving me the face of I don't have any. I don't. Okay, I got three. And you I got three. And I gave you one, which is the cabinet song. Yeah, I don't get that. Don't the other that. one is You Won't Be an Orphan for Long. What a thing to occur Finding them Losing her Oh, you won't be an orphan for long And Mr. Warbuck says that I'm going to be meeting my mother and father in a couple of days So maybe I think is one of the most lackluster endings to Act One ever. <laughs> like I'd rather end Act One with Easy Street and Rooster, Lily, and Hannigan all leaving the stage with their plot in hand. Because at the opening of Act Two, we establish what Warbucks is doing for Annie, and this song is kind of slow and it's it's not that memorable. And we just repeat the plot point the minute we get back in Act Two. It's like end with the cool jazz, you know. Easy Street! Easy Street! That's where we're gonna Friends, no. be! We're just gonna sing the whole music yeah. today. Um, but that, that, I will be that, starring as Annie. Can I be Miss Hannigan? Sure. Yes! I would actually pay to see that. Um, I, I like it because it's him trying to... I think it's the way it's directed again. Could be. Or just the way it's directed in the recording booth, where maybe I don't know. It's just something about it where it's I just go. Coming to, it's him coming to terms with the fact that he's going to lose her. Yeah, but there's so many better ways you can do that song, and this one just I don't know. Like the like I watched the Victor Garber version at the end of NYC, and you can see him there realizing he's falling for this little girl, and there's the worry in his face of I may lose her if if she finds her parents. It's a great yeah. way of going about it, and the song just is like eh. It's lackluster. Like, compared to some of the great Act One closers, yeah. this one just... But Act One doesn't close with that. It, it, it closes with a reprise of Maybe. Even even worse. No! We don't need a reprise of Maybe. We've established the sun will come out tomorrow. No, but Maybe is perfect here because it's it's taking us into the intermission. It's starting the way... It's, it's finishing Act One the way... Bookends. It bookends it, indeed, and it's her with more hope, but is that hope a good thing? Mm, That's true. It's a question. It's a question mark ending. Yes. I don't know. I like a big act one, one day more, huzzah, phantom drops the chandelier. Life doesn't work that way. No, and it's true. That's why I also like the ending of Fiddler on the Roof in Act One, where Ted is just looking at God going, why the hell did you do this to me on the on, on, on?" on like the day of my daughter's wedding, you have it ransacked. Yeah. Like, I don't mind that ending either. It's just, eh, this just feels lackluster. All right. Well, Give me something big to go to 
to go to go to go get my drink at the bar with. I like the simplicity of it because we're left going, oh, oh. is she gonna find her parents? Mm-hmm. What's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. Is she gonna meet the president? And say, <laughs> Not in my version. Okay, what's your third one here? Okay, so I love the never fully dressed without a smile version yeah. with the orphans. Yeah. Uh, but I don't like the radio version that they sing first. This is Bert Healy saying, Hey, horrible man, hey, Dapper Dan, you both got your style, but brother, you're never fully dressed without a smile. Thank you, thank you, America. Your clothes may be a bummy. They stand out a mile, but brother, you're never because it because it's like we're seeing you're hearing the same damn song twice just give me the one with the orphans the orphans can open act two just like they open act one and you can hear the last few triples of uh, of it on the radio like when they do the 1999 film version yeah it's great because you hear the last bit of that on the radio and then the kids just break into hey oh man hey dapper dan hey i actually did that um for my for my little kid choir when I was growing up, I got to do the this is Bert Healy saying. And you want to cut yourself. Look no, I like the organ version. I don't like the radio star version that they do first. Okay. I'd rather them just because it's it's a repeat. Like in the recording, it's like you're never fully dressed without a smile, radio version. You're never fully dressed without a smile, orphan version. It's like yeah. choose one and just do it. Okay. Okay, I okay, I get it. Yeah, and and then then also it's just a rebrand of tomorrow. Just with just it's just talking about the same thing again. Yeah, it's it's like let's just whip this dead horse already. How much hope can we bring in? Yeah, let's just keep dumping it in. Okay, that's it for me. Okay, um, autumn dear, we're now up to the best part of the episode. Oh, should it be revived? Does it still have a place today? Yes. I'd yes, say it absolutely still has a place today. Yes. But just like our la- our last episode we just did about cats, where should it be revived? Yeah. I go, it should, it should be revived in regional and community theaters because that's where this does best is when it's introducing kids to theater. Do we need it on Broadway again? No, I don't know. Why? What? So what, introduce it to kids. It's a great introduction. What should be on Broadway? I don't know. I don't know. Hamilton? No. Uh, Spring Awakening? No. Rent? No. no. So why not Annie? I mean, I love Annie. <laughs> and I and I think, once again, just like Cats, if you want to make like, like, like make a good chunk of change, this is a great show. It's great for families. Oh, it is it's great. It's great for introducing kids to shows. But I think this place is really, this place it really is with regional communities. Like yourself, who did Annie and it brought you into the world of theater and brought you and it's fantastic that way and that's where i think this musical does its best work is where it brings kids in like the amount of times i see summer camps do this show and i'm like yes because you can see the little kids light up when they're all singing hard knock life or i just hope they do it well and understand the larger that's what i think the broadway um, stuff can do no i think anyone can do this show yeah like which is what i like about it it's a universal you know, show. Whether or not you know it should be done by amateurs, but uh, like I think that what I know about professional theater is you dig deeper because you have more time. Mm. So I think exploring the complexity of these characters, the complexity of it, mm-hmm. 
is what will make it a truly rewarding piece of theater to watch. Mm. And um, I wish community theaters had more time to explore mm -hmm. uh, the complexity of, the of, of these things. Because, you know, there's a lot of community, great community mm -hmm. theater out there. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of people give it a, a, dust a, off. a, a bad rap mm -hmm. and go, well, you know. But, you know, it's just about finding the complexities and mm -hmm. asking questions. But you need time to ask those questions. It's true. Um, and I think that would be great. Yes. And we should have more funding mm -hmm. so we can do more and explore more and have more time. Mm, that'd be good. Within many theatrical Whether, realms. Yeah. Well, Whether it's true. A lot of rehearsals are now are just two weeks for a show two to three weeks and then that's it it's all you get yeah which is not enough time to really dive deep into something yeah you need you need at least a four-week rehearsal Thank period you. to really like not everyone is sean stratford who gets the luxury of time, no right? it's true um i wish mm -hmm. i wish mm -hmm. either way uh fantastic show it's as you great. can tell we both love this piece of theater um it's brilliant it is. And you should watch the uh, Encore episode on Disney Plus yeah. where these lovely people from, I forget which part of the United States, get together after like... Santa California. Santa California who get together after like 10 to 20 years of not oh, doing no, the show. Oh, no, it's longer than is that. that. Is it 30? They did it in 1996. Oh, no. I so that's like 20. 20 plus years. 20 plus years. But yeah. they get back together to remount the show in five days. And it's a hoot. It once again shows the beauty of theater where you can see these adults get right back into it and you can see them buy back into this show and just have a great time with it. Yeah. And I have to say, 40 year old people getting dressed in little Annie Orphan wigs and costumes. I'm waiting. And, and, I'm and that Peter drama Hinton. teacher, yeah. Peter Hinton. And that drama teacher in that episode who's who's like a scene stealing old lady is <laughs> fantastic. Yes. Who's that? She directs the show, she, doesn't know who that character is. She wanted to impress so badly. She yeah. kept going over her choreography. It's very cute. Soup, no bubbles, I think. Yes. Great. Beautifully articulated. Yes. It's great. It's, it's great. so beautiful. And you can see that the show brings out the love of theater in people. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it builds a community. And mm -hmm. that's, there's something to be said about doing theater in high school. And this is why we should not... Cut arts funding. All right, um, Autumn. I do have a message from our lovely uh, composer Brody. Oh, nice. He has a project that he has been working on oh so hard, and he would love for us to let us uh, let our audiences know about it. So, as okay. you know, Brody, our composer, is also a hip hop uh, artist in his mm -hmm. own right. Uh, he is doing a collaborative EP between himself and a producer. Uh, named uh, Wavy Max. So congratulations, Brody, on that. Nice. Uh, the project they're working on is called Wavy Flow, and it is released in early uh, 2020. So stay tuned, everybody, as we're now in 2020. So it'll actually be coming out in the near future. Uh, you also find them on Spotify at Father Flowses. Autumn, where can they find you? You can find me at Autumn DM Smith on Facebook mm -hmm. and Instagram. Mm -hmm. Or you can contact me at my business account, mm -hmm. which is littlewoodsmith.com. Mm -hmm. And I'm at littlewoodsmith on Facebook and Instagram too. And Autumn, what are we working on right now? 
Because we'll because so because by the time they hear this, we will be in mid rehearsals for yes. this show. Um, well, actually, you'll probably be right during Tech Week. Because oh my Lanta! Because this will be coming in towards the uh, end of February, early March. Mac just gave me a heart attack. Everyone, um, we are working on "Oh What a Lovely War" by Joan Littlewood, mm. who is an extraordinary was an extraordinary artist, um, community engaged practitioner, um, one of the first genius. She was a genius, and it is an honor to be going back and revisiting this beast of a show, which is exciting. So, what more and more to come? Yeah. Follow us on on our on our Insta handles, Facebook yes. handles. Um, you can AKA find our at yeah. blank. <laughs> yep, you can find me at Mackenzie underscore Horner, uh, and you can please follow our social medias. Every week, we are posting either fun facts about the musical yeah. that is coming or. Feel free to take a stab when we do our uh, clues of the week when we are about to reveal yeah. our episode. It's always fun that we see some people guessing and we will always interact and say close. Great, uh, great idea. So smart. Exactly. We do all that type of fun stuff. You're a genius. Yeah. And please let us know, have you ever performed in Annie or any other community theater show that holds a special place in your heart? Please. And if you have video clips, send them. Yeah. And we will watch them and give you a shout out. Absolutely. Because... We cannot get enough of Annie. It's true. Absolutely. Not enough. Not enough. And I think that's it for everyone this time. So the sun will come out tomorrow autumn and our new episode will be announced next week. Exciting. See you then, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Bye.